Yes, it worked today. The music going. There we go. You are now about to witness the babies watching me. The awesome crushing a might of Eugene that she's crying S Robinson show stop It's all right, kid. It's just a showstopper. It makes everybody cry at one point or another. Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly sort of never ends. This is round number a one, a four, a nine of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Playing us in. <laughs> yeah. I wake up a lot of babies. Playing us in, as always, is uh, Stigmata from Calling of the Just. Song is called Intro, All of Nothing. It used to be available from Revelation Records, which hasn't paid us for the CDs, which I own. So if you want it, hit me up. I'll sell you one. Until then, let's let Bob Riley sing us in. Just like he has every day since 2007. Song's called Intro, All of Nothing. And it's been the bumper music for First Knuckle Up and now the show stomper. The words that say it all. And hit that, yeah, hit that thumbs up button. What I could not see so clear. Taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. <coughs> um, uh, woo! I almost died on that one. Like I maybe, maybe not. Anyway, thank you for showing up again. It's a Sunday. If you're listening and watching and you're here, you're within the sound of my voice. It's unstable. Please wait while we try reconnecting. If you're anywhere within the sound of my voice or visual image, you are still alive. So congratulations, unless something really weird has happened and we're both dead. In other words, congratulations for having made it this far this long. Glad to see you. I am much better. Thank you. However, we I got some blood work done and we'll get into that later. But let's get through the commercials. Uh, Pinko9014 at yahoo.com if you want to PayPal money. I got Cash App. I got Venmo uh, as well. If you need the addresses for those, it's possible. Or you can go to Patreon. I can uh, ask me. It's possible. I'll give it to you. Or you go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Stomper or Stomperville. I don't remember which. You can find it there, and uh, anything is welcome, a dollar or whatever. But I got to tell you, I'm a happy man. I'm a happy man because today, and uh, I don't mind if you see it, look what I got. Uh, I got a check. Yeah, it's a check for $93.47 from BMI. That's for our Oxbow's music, my, my portion of the Oxbow's music, which is specifically lyrics. Uh, yeah, exactly. Lyrics for all of the Oxbow music and all the other songs I play getting played on radios globally, uh, at radio, Spotify, and whatever you know, SoundCloud, and so on. It comes to this represents like over like a hundred thousand listens of our stuff. Ninety three dollars and and forty seven cents. So I'm pretty happy about that. And uh, 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 
Let's see. What else? What else I got? What else I got going? I beat somebody in chess this morning. We both sacrificed our queens four moves in, and I still crushed the guy. That, keep in mind that now I'm like eight and two or two and eight. I've won two. I lost eight. So that's a grain of salt. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm in a pretty jolly mood today. I'm in a pretty jolly mood, but but let's uh, let, let's 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 do it the let's do it the show stomper way the long the long way the long way around. First of all, comedy ensued. I get the blood work done. I go in this week and I get the blood work done. And I'm not going to be like these old Jewish guys that go on and on about my health. But you got to hear this. So I go in. I get the blood work done. I fast. I get the blood work done. That my my doctor demanded it. And at first it comes back. Everything's okay. And I go ah cool. Everything is going to be okay. It's okay. Right? Okay. So then um, I'm minding my own business, and there's another announcement for my email from my doctor. And I go, oh, she's probably just explaining to me how okay all everything was. Well, apparently on second glance, there were a couple of flags. One of the flags, well, two of the flags, were, one was for this thing called neutrophil, and the other was some other blood fill. So naturally, I go, I go online to Google and say, what the hell do these things do? What does it mean? It means that I'm low, chronically low in B12, vitamin B12. Well, I'm taking a handful of vitamins every day. What does it mean that, that I'm also vitamin B12 deficient? And it's like, well, it means that you're at an increased susceptibility for diseases, Crohn's, you know, uh, uh, cancer, and all these other things. How the fuck? How do uh, well, where do you find a lot, lots of B12? Eggs and meat. And dairy, which I've cut back on the dairy because of the bleeding ass thing. And so, and so, and of course, I haven't since 2007 and the fight book tour, I haven't eaten meat. I just eat fish. So, you know, Marty G was kind of right. <laughs> it was kind of right. If I had a steak every now and then, I'd be right. at first, my attitude was a, I'm going to eat meat as often as I would be able to catch it in the wild. And that's not very often. If you ever tried to catch a squirrel, see how that's going to work for you. But I would say, oh, what is that? Reasonably, if I lived in a village, we could probably catch meat once every two months. But then after I phased that out too, I wasn't hungry for it. I didn't want it. But anyway, so that's where I said, I still don't know what the B12 means, but now I'm taking a B12 supplement. But let's forget about that. So flashback now to the 80s. And a flashback is, is, is a functioning word here. And so we're flashing back to the 80s and I'm, I'm helping a girlfriend pack her shit. And she's a, a girl girlfriend, but she's a she's an ex-girlfriend. And uh, and uh, uh, but we're still friendly, which means we're still having sex. But she's moving to L.A. Right. I keep getting this like this cat here. She's moving to L.A. And uh, what the hell is this is driving me crazy. So she we're packing her moving van and she says, there it is. I got it. She says, give me a hand with my motorcycle. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, give me a hand rolling the motorcycle up the ramp into the back of the moving truck. And I go, the motorcycle's got wheels and an engine on it. I'm not struggling to get it up a ramp when you can just drive it in. She goes, well, is that safe? I go, why would it not be safe? She goes, okay, okay. And she gets on the motorcycle, she sits on it, puts a helmet on, drives up the ramp, halfway through, falls off the ramp, falls like now with three feet off the ground, tumbles off the ramp, crashes the bike on top of her, you know. Now, this same girl, years before, a friend had said uh, he's a world famous physicist. Name uh, the name of Scott Walter. I wrote about him uh, for Ozzy. If you're interested, he said, "Listen, I'm going to go start a job at GM in Detroit in the robotics laboratory, and uh, I will give you a thousand dollars and let you drive my green my green duster across country um, if you if you bring it to me in Detroit. I can't think of it. I want it. I can't think of any way to ship it." I go, as long as it's not going to break on me, I'm fine. He goes, no, well, I'll do all the work on it before you drive it through, fine. So this is the same girl. Remember I told you a story about the guys giving me the hard look in Nebraska and I had all the guns in the trunk? Well, this was that drive. So somehow to make the drive go a little faster, 
this is back in the 80s, I thought it made a lot of sense to take a whole huge amount of LSD, right? So uh, she's driving, and uh, I'm in the passenger seat naturally pontificating about God knows what. And um, we start to, I don't remember even what state we're in, but there's a lot of construction, and there are a lot of tunnel. Um, uh, yeah, I guess it's a, it's, a, it's a tunnel. Is that what I'm thinking about? Yeah, when the road, you know, when you go through the mountain, right? Yeah, tunnel. So um, not the tunnel underground, but the overground tunnel. So you're driving on the road, and then suddenly you see the, the thing, and, and she's like, I, I got to pull over. I'm like, what do you mean you got to pull over? She's like, I, I can't drive anymore. Like, okay, so, yeah, I think it was probably, actually, I, I think it was in Colorado. And, and so, you know, when somebody's got a whole head full of LSD and they say they can't drive anymore, you take them seriously. Pull over, you know, get off, I'll switch, and I'm driving, which I could drive perfectly well on LSD. So we're zipping and we're zipping, and um, and I see what she was concerned about coming up, and it's a it's a tunnel, right? Same thing. So this keep in mind the motorcycle story happened after the tunnel story, but this is like foreshadowed. So uh, I'm driving now, and I'm like just cruising, right? Like 75, and the cars behind, the cars in front, but then I realize in a very eerie way as we come up to the tunnel, the lane is narrowing. And the tunnel is a two-way tunnel, by which I mean it, it narrows to a single lane, and there's another lane of cars coming through, and it's dark. Not outside, but it's dark in the tunnel because it's a tunnel, right? I mean, you got tunnel lights, but suddenly your eyes go from light to dark. And, of course, my pupils are like, like fucking dinner plates, right? And so as I'm driving 75, 80, 85 miles an hour, and it's narrowing, and I feel what, what, what I, I think in Latin is called hysteria passio. And you're, you're all familiar with hysteria passio if you've ever stood on the edge of a, a, a high cliff or a, 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 a mountain or something and that overpowering urge you have to throw yourself off. I start to feel this rising hysteria passio, which is like as a, road, as a lane narrows and I see the tunnel looming, I go, I'm, I'm not going to fucking make this. I'm not going to fucking make it. Yeah, it's, it's not going to. I can't. I'm not. I can't. I, and then what I do is I go, you know, flash forward. I'm, not, I'm interrupting these stories purposely, not because I'm forgetting, but purposefully. So remember I told you before how I used to be like a trips doctor, like people who say, would never take in LSD before would come to me and say, hey, Eugene, hey, Eugene, yeah, yeah, you know, why don't you come with me on first trip? That's fine. So uh, this friend of mine, Army Corps of Engineers guy, he said, hey, let's go. So we go on. And at one point, we're walking back. Uh, we're walking back to near, to near his place. And I was like, uh, he's like, you want to come in? And I'm like, no, because this ex-girlfriend of mine who we had, who had dumped me lived right across the hall from him, right? So this is like clearly back in college time, lived right across the hall. So in the state that I was in, I wasn't really willing to risk running into her. One, she would have known what was going on with me, and then it would have, I would have been pulled into some, I don't want it. They don't want it. So I said, why don't you come over the hill with me? Because I lived about 200, 300 yards away. Come over the hill and we'll hang out at my place. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. I was like, all right, later. So he goes back to his place. I go back to my place. But you know when you're, we used to call LSD the dreaded. When you're in that frame of mind, you're really in the same room, even if you're not in the same place. So, so I, get back, I get back to my, my room, and something happened to me that had never happened to me on LSD before. I actually fell asleep. And I was having really vivid dreams. And phone rings, and he, it's him. And he says, hey, uh, could, 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 you, could you come by? And I go, oh, man, nah, man, I'm in my I'm in bed. Said, come by. And then he said something. He, he used a word he never usually uses before. He said, please. Please. It's like, fuck, Jesus Christ. Okay, something. This is like code, dude code. If, if your dude friend says please to you, you know it's like serious shit. So I put on my clothes, you know, I truck up the hill and then down, it's like, you know, 300 yards. And I go, I, I can't, I can't, I just can't, I, I love this guy, but I can't go in through the front door 
I told him on this on the phone because I don't want to run into this woman uh, uh, and and he goes, just open your window and I'll climb in through your window. So he goes, open, this is fine, it's unlocked. So I go through the bushes, I climb in through the window and then I hear people go, oh, oh my God. And I go, oh shit. The people in the room. And it was a woman's voice and it's all dark. And so right away I was like, oh yeah, it's a sex party. And I had been to, in this complex, I had been to a sex party before there, so I figured, why not? So I said, I'm climbing through the window. It was like, oh. And going back, it was the same woman who appeared in part two of the story that I already told about the tunnel and part three of the story that I already, or part one, if you want to go that way, about the, the ramp. She's in there. Unbeknownst to me that she and he had been having sex before she and I had ever started having sex. I didn't know. But anyway, I thought it was a sex party. So I'm like, oh, all right. But no, he's swaddled in bed and they've got cold rags on his head. I go, and there's a, she and there's another dude there. I go, what the fuck are you guys doing here? Well, he's, see, see, he's having an attack of some kind. I go, an attack? You mean attack? We don't know what he's consumed. I go, hey, you know what? Eh, why do you guys leave? And they go, oh, oh, I go, yeah, just, just, just leave. And he's like, and he looks at them and goes, yeah, it's, it's okay. Turns the light on. And so I'm sitting there at his desk. He's laying in bed all swallowed up. What the fuck are you doing? He's like, well, I have a question for you. And I go, what's the question? And he goes, how do I know I'm not going to hurt myself? This is why you need a trips doctor. And I go, how do you ever know that? How do you ever know that? How do you ever know in moments of hysteria passio that you're not going to throw yourself off the building or throw yourself off the cliff? He goes, well, I don't, I don't really feel like hurting myself. Case closed. He was like, oh. And just my presence there, I'm not saying it like I'm Superman, but I'm just saying, you know, I'm a pragmatist. You have a reason to hurt yourself, then you're probably going to hurt yourself. If you don't have a reason to hurt yourself, you probably don't hurt yourself. So he 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 sits up and he uh, huh, puts his robe on. He opens a book on his. He says, "Could you could you move?" I go, "Yeah, sure." So I go to sit on the bed. He sits in his chair. He opens a book on his desk. The book is Circuits and Devices. And he starts doing his engineering homework. He got his degree in electrical engineering. Starts doing his engineering homework. I'm like, so uh, you all right? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go, 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 go. So I climb back out the window. I trudge up the hill back to my place. I get into my place, get in my bed. And then I'm like this, because I can't fucking sleep. Going back through the story, now I'm 85, 90 miles an hour through the tunnel, freaking out, having this moment of hysteria, passio. And I just relax. Yeah. He, he used to work with this guy named Nick Alapreco. Nick was one of the first early Me Too guys. At first, he put a little you know, girl in a bikini on, the, on the, his wall. And somebody made a comment. Then he put another one. Pretty soon, at the end of the year, Nick Alapreco had had his, his cubicle was like stepping into an adult bookstore. Like all kinds. And they, they finally, Army Corps engineers, they'd say, Nick, you know, it's nothing but dudes in here, but man, you can't, you gotta, you can't, just take, take that shit out of there. So, so anyway, 90 miles an hour in the tunnel, and I'm like flying high in LSD, go, go zip through the tunnel, did it crash? Why? Because I didn't want to crash. Get, she falls on the motorcycle, off the ramp, I'm enraged. It's like, this is in my head, I'm thinking, this is why we don't go out anymore. How do you so readily embrace failure? It drives me crazy. Get, get off the bike. I don't say that. I was like, oh, you okay? You know, but in my head, it's like, ugh. And I get on the bike and I turn it on. The bike is not damaged. And I start going up the ramp. Halfway up the ramp, I realize there's a catch. The catch is the ramp is only about that wide. The motorcycle fills up almost the entirety of the ramp. And so my feet on either side, if I take them off the road pegs, are in the air. So you don't have anything if you lose your balance or something. You don't have anything to put your foot down on. You tumble off. I get halfway up this ramp into the back of a U-Haul and I have this stunning realization. 
and I feel the hysteria pass, you this rising panic because I have nothing to put my feet on. And you know what I do at that moment? I gun the end, I yank the throttle back. Now I almost crashed into all of her belongings that were already already in the in the in the back of the truck, but I got in the truck. And I didn't crash into them. I almost didn't crash into them. The point is, when you get a guy like Dustin Poirier, like you saw in that first round, what you saw in that first round with him against McAnal was a guy facing that those precise moments and watching it after the hooker fiasco, I got scared to death. And keep in mind, I couldn't be, uh, bet SDI wouldn't let me on. Bovada wouldn't let me on. Apparently, there were irregularities in my uh, account based on last time I placed a bet. Uh, you make of that what you would. Uh, but so uh, I, the person who helped me on this, um, I said, look, I'll give you a bunch of money. Put place, place a bet for me. And so they did. They have their own show. And they said, oh, I got it in exchange for which you got you. You, just, you, you know, you tell show my show when it's ready. I go, cool. This I will do. Excuse me. This is what I will do. So I'm not going to reveal who it is now, but but uh, but I, I will reveal it later. So they placed a bet for me, and I think I, I tried through Bovada and, and Bet SDI. I tried to place the bet 18 times. I went on on uh, the, the 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 chat to try to talk to some, you know, to, to help me with the thing. And they're like, you know, they're not helping me. And then the whole thing. And I said, in, in, in the natural world, in the natural world, what happens is, in the natural world, what happens is, this would be a sign that I shouldn't place the bet at all. This should be a sign that I shouldn't place the bet at all. One time, two times should I place it. Five, six, can't try 12, 12, 18 times. Most people, I said, but if I don't place this bet and dude wins, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel a certain amount of hatred for myself that, that I don't usually feel. Because I know in my bones, in my blood, that this is gonna happen. But the first round of that fight, I see him having a ramp tunnel LSD moment. And that all begins with two little words. What if? What, what, what if? What, 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 what if? And you, you watch that first round against uh, McRapist and, and, and Dustin and see in every single one of those engagements, those what ifs, you can see. I could, I could, if I had a chart, I could, if I had one of those like, the screen we can write on the screen when you're watching the action. I could show you each one of those. And his wife is there, and and McNuggets, McRapist's wife is there. And let look, keep in mind, McAnal has done an amazing thing. Do not be fooled at all by this PR positioning switch. This was savvy. This was savvy. He he knew that it was gonna. He 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 knew before he showed up. He knew before the New York Times knew that 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 rape case was going to civil, because in Ireland for criminal it has to be like a hundred percent proven, and then you know and that goes back to their colonial past and subjugation with the England and so on. But for civil, much like O.J. Simpson, you don't have all the evidence has to prove point in that one way, and you lose. So he's, he's, screw it. Not a charm offensive, not a charm offensive, but, a, you know, a, 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 a whole PR overhaul. I show up with the wife and I show up with the Rolls Royce. The, a departure for this, and I think it was largely, I'm not quite sure what happened, except for the fact that true character outs, the million dollar fucking watch, I don't know what happened with that. That was probably a, a PR error. But showing up with the family, the kids, the video of him training with the son, this is all kayfabe. Yeah, and the yacht, 
and I'm just on vacation with the family. So this is to send a dual message. Success breeds confidence. Confidence breeds success. This, by all appearances, is success. And therefore, you got to know I'm confident. Tonally, all that stupid shit from before, if you haven't been able to figure it out because the water's been rising at the same time, all that stuff before, the French word contretemps or loggerheads, where the fighters are like, you bitch and you bitch, it's dead. He and Mayweather killed it. It's a little smarter now. If you look at Izzy and Johnny Boney Joni, it, 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 it's a little smarter now. People are still, but but this whole like questioning the guy's masculinity and stuff, nah, you know, because there was a disconnect. There was a, a cognitive dissonance for us to see these guys talk this smack and then afterward they're hugging, they're shaking hands. Nah, we're not, you know, you got to reinvent. It's a sports entertainment. This is sports entertainment. I don't want to see the same movie 10 times in a row. I may have watched Apocalypse Now 10 times, but not in a row. So this was all calculated, all calculated. And, and, and McAnal, and then they're doing the stare down and they're slamming that stuff. This is, this is, McAnal is fully in the grips of what if. He's lived his career in the grips of what if, but the Irish, you know, country premised on what if, they, you know, through braggadocio or, uh, Frank McCord had this play he did with his brother called A uh, Couple of Blaggards, which was just them sitting around bullshitting. Great, great play. Did well. I think he won an Obie for it, an off-Broadway uh, award. It's in the national character. Fake it till you make it. Got it. But he had to readjust. The guy who's trying to get is different from the guy who's gotten so the family, the charges, yeah, I'm going to counter that with this. And the success, show up with the sky, the royal blue suit. I'm sitting man, I'm shaking hands with the guy. I love Dustin. Everybody loves Dustin. How are you going to talk smack about Dustin? I didn't. But, you know, I came to, I got off of my Chuck Liddell thing, and I got my head straight. But it was all calculated. So he gets in there in the grips of what if, but they're both have. So it's a battle of what if-isms. And I'm watching, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching, uh, um, yeah, yeah. And then the charm of Izzy is that it's nerdy. But I'm watching uh, Dustin. I go, do not let this get on top of you. Do not let this get on top of you. And I think what happens is, like, I'll tell you, I told you how I fight. Like, I, before I fight, I'm very nice. You know, my, my 11 MMA matches are not smiling and laughing. I'm just looking like I am not I'm a normal guy. Like, a, And the ref says fight, and then I go nuts. But I also have a secondary thing that I do, right? If I look across and I do a vi I'm doing some kind of visual ID and coming to a conclusion, this guy looks like he can kick my ass. I go into it with the same, how you doing, how you doing? But when they say fight, I decide, let's see how bad of a beating I'm going to get. So, and fundamentally, then I take, I take, I take the B-roll. The I let this guy unload, and I start to think, oh, that's it? I think he just hit me as hard as he possibly could, and it was nothing. I don't feel anything. All right, now I'm here. Now I'm here. And then I, go, I do the crazy thing. But in the fine-tuned world of professional mixed martial arts, in the interregnum between those two, you can get destroyed. So three quarters of the way through the first round, Poirier gets the, you can see it, just spins his head. But he, he's like, wow, I'm still, I'm all right. I'm all right. Takes him down effortlessly, and he was playbook uh, ties up the legs with his his left leg, you know, uh, playbook Khabib. And, and I thought this is smart. Get get some sweat on his body. Get some sweat on his. Get him sweating. Some people say, yeah, get him tired. Ah, whatever. Same. In, same. Same. A, a distinction without a difference. Get him tired. 
So second round, second round hits, and uh, and they're talking about they're talking about this kick, right? We got two southpaws facing each other, and this is not anybody who's a student. I'm sure Tommy LB would pay attention. If you have that wide stance, which is what he uses to un- to to increase his power, and the only regard in which I have respect for McAnal right now is I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he he fully commits to these shots, and that's one of the reasons they're so powerful. So if you take a precise shot where you can control the placement and you fully commit, and the power is coming from the floor to the foot, up the bar, you fully commit. But to do that, I mean, you just think about how I, when I used to train people, I used to say, take that ball before I even teach you how to punch. Take that ball and throw it. So people throw it. Now I go throw it further. So if you stand with your feet to get perfectly together, how far are you going to throw that ball? No, you got you you have to step into it. But baseball pitchers, they step into it and they spread the legs. So that's how he manages and he goes, "But you got to you got to move that leg back." And how you do it is there. Kick it, kick it, kick it, kick it, kick it. Now, if I wanted to think it was a work cuz we talked about that last week, I don't, but if I wanted to think that I would say what happened is somebody made an adjustment, somebody didn't make an adjustment. But if I want to leave that leg out there. But I think he's a head, he's a head guy. He's a head guy. You know how I know, you know how I know McAnal's a head guy? Because he's so good at the head game. That's how I know he's a head guy. I had a friend in high school who had the unerring instinct of whatever you felt most sensitive about, he would lash into it. He could sense it like a, like a, like it smelled like an animal because he had a secret one that he was secretly bothered by. And so he was sensitive to this and other people. So the second round, he's like, that guy's got nothing for me. We're in the second round. I beat his prediction, the, the mystic, the mysticism of Mac. I beat it. It was no first round knockout. And let me put a little, little, little extra English on this leg. Backs the leg up, backs the leg up, and then at that point gets a couple of shots in there, and Connor's head folds. He's in the middle of that, that ramp going to the back of the U-Haul, realizes he can't put his feet down, and he tumbles. And the reason why I know it was a head fold, yeah, he was getting pieced up, but the reason why I know it was a head fold is because just as soon just as soon as they got him up and close to a microphone, he started complaining about his, my leg is dead. My leg, you know what you sound like? You sound like a 10 year old. Yeah. Well, I, I could have run that race, but my shoelace broke. You, you know, I could, yeah. Bad dancer always blames his shoes. you lost, but something that he did, that was actually, actually in this day and age, given the zeitgeist, given the zeitgeist in this day and age, what he did was take his loss like a man. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of you think that that the uh, that the, the uh, uh, by by a show of hands in the comments, how many of you think that get your buzzers ready? How many of you think that the uh, Dustin Poirier uh, uh, McAnal fight was a work. I'll wait. I mean, I'm not going to wait for all of you to respond, but two or three of you, I'll wait. Yeah, okay, it, it, it wasn't a work. How, okay, one person. One person says it wasn't a work. All right, anybody else? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Okay, all right. So it's not, it's not a work. All right, so if, if, if McNuggets, McRapist, McAnal, if he were to say it was clearly a, it was this was clearly a fraud. Herb Dean is a shitty judge. I was robbed in there. How many of you would buy it? Well, if you don't think it's a work, and he says it's a work, you don't buy it. If he says it's a fake or a fraud, you don't buy it. He embraced it, manned up, came up with excuses, but. Did he send his friends in there with dollies to attack Fight Island? 
Eh, eh, maybe you see me working here. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't do that. He didn't sequester himself back in the green room sulking. He took his loss like a man. A raping man, allegedly, but a man nonetheless. So now people like predicting the doom and gloom and the doom and gloom. Listen, look, listen. First of all, he's got nowhere to go. Which means he's precisely the kind of guy that the bald one loves. He's got nowhere to go and he needs the bald one now. Right? He's got nowhere to go and he needs the bald one now. How? Because they're in a weird situation and a situation a lot of these people find themselves into. We're not going to pay you what we've been paying you to lose. Huh? We're not going to do that. Okay? You're into us with this the proper 12 piss water that you're selling. So what are we going to do? At this point now, you're going to say, well, you know, McAnal, he's, he's an executive level gatekeeper. Nope, not at those prices. What is he? What is he now? He, he, he's an he's a A-list novelty fighter is what he is now. A-list novelty fighter. You know, another A-list novelty fighter was Anderson Silva. After a certain point, it was not like you really expected him to win in a fantastic fashion, if at all. You just were hoping to see a glimmer of that past magic. I don't have a name for this now. But that's what he is. A-list novelty fighter. Which means you and I both know that you match him up with either of the Diaz's, and that's a fight we want to see. You put him in that bad motherfucker belt, that's a fight we want to see. You get him against a George Masvidal, that's a fight we want to see. But getting him against anybody in the top five again, he's done because what if has rotted holes in his head. I mean, Khabib is like, you know, in, in the, they talk about in the omen, for the, when they talk about the, the Antichrist coming from the great sea, and they, they have this kind of uh, metaphor for the stock market, where they, this, is, this is the fighter's career. And there's not a single person that's going to chart his line at this point up here. That's not what we're looking at. Yeah, novelty fights. He's got a contract. He's got novelty fights. And, and believe me, and believe me, at this point now, if any boxing promoter wants to step up and give him 130 mil to fight Pacquiao or all that stuff about uh, Mayweather carrying him for those, those early rounds, you believe it now? Because I do. I do. Keep in mind, it's okay to see him get 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 out grappled by a grappler because in, in Ireland, I don't think they. I'm pretty sure they don't uh, have wrestling in high schools, so you don't expect him to be a strong wrestler, a strong grappler. That wasn't his thing. He was on that Chuck Liddell thing. Like, I'm not afraid to get within. Uh, you know, I can clip you. I can clip you on your on your attempt to take me down and take you out before you can get me down. Yes, his first KO smells different, feels different, tastes different. Tastes different. <coughs> I mean, if you think that the other guys are out there who are thinking like, uh-huh, and you know who's kicking himself? I thought about this for a brief flash because I was too happy about winning the money. But uh, uh, you know who's kicking himself? Jose Aldo. He, he, let, he let his heart get taken away, you know? I mean, the thing is, you know, what's... It, it, let me see how I can say this without having to go to jail. <laughs> um, I, I'll just... I'll use, a, I'll use a movie reference. You know, one of, one of the most... You know, you've seen, I'm sure we've all seen a lot of the same movies we've seen... Uh, 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 Joe Pesci as Tommy D. Simone and Goodfellas, and we've seen, you know, 
uh, you know, we've seen these badasses and there's all this bluster and heat and sunlight and they're like, yeah. You know, it's like if you see a dog that's running toward you, ah, you, you know, in nature, this is a warning sign. We're afraid. But one of my favorite villains, my favorite villains in, in, in cinema history is uh, uh, Lawrence Olivier in The Marathon Man as he rolls in his little table and Dustin Hoffman is tied up in the chair there and he starts, unfolds his, and he's got his little tools spread out and he says, uh, is it safe? It's like, it's like, that's it. I don't need this. I don't, if, once I've seen what I can't unsee in regards to McAnal, I'm that guy. I'm just opening the, the tool set. He's got nowhere to go and he's got nobody to go there with and he's got nobody to blame but himself. But like the Baldwin once said, it's not a long, it's not a long-term career. So count yourself lucky. Pay this woman the $4 million, stay at home at night, stop doing the blow, and, uh, and, and fight, you know, entertaining fights for the last four or five fights of your career and make a plan for what you're going to do when you hit 40. Because it's over. Your nut jumpers won't tell you that. But the last truly free voice in America courtesy of Cabaret Voltaire, Eugene S. Robinson will tell you, rapist or not, it's over. It's going to hurt to hear it, but you got to hear it from somebody. Well, he's got, you know, they, they talked about him as a screen, big, so one of the reviews as a big screen celebrity. I go, what screen? What fucking screen? In this environment, you're going to have this guy in your movie. They're running arm, Army Hammer out of town. One lesson you learn in life. You know, you can do anything you want. But don't put that shit in writing. So, um, um, oh, yeah, yeah, that documentary. So, okay, but let, let's go back. Let's go back to the fights because we got a, a lot of stuff to cover. Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler, if some of you have been following me on the Twitter machine at Eugene S. Robinson, you'll see my response to that fight, and it was a singular, Ugh. Now, you know, I explained on If the Shoes Fit why I'm off of Bellator fighters. And the little bit of foreshadowing that he, came, that he gave us a little bit earlier in the week, well, you know, I'm no Ben Askren, and I was like, that's one way to become Ben Askren. Hamarsha. Hubris. But he did he did something that they do on the streets. And the thing is, thing is, one thing about MMA, if you have these cats that um, come from traditional martial, martial arts, you have cats who come from parents that care about them. I took my kids dutifully twice a week to Kung Lee's for, for 10 years, a decade. From the age of five, first at AKA when they were like four, and then Half Gracie's, who's now heading off to jail, you might have seen, uh, but he's got a good attitude about it. His latest tweet explains it all from his perspective, which I liked. Good PR move. So from the age of four to, I, I was only gonna be a fascist until they got to high school and they all wrestled in high school. You come from traditional martial arts, you come from parents that care about you. You come from wrestling, you come from parents that care about you. You come from any other discipline, like, uh, um, uh, you know, boxing, say, you don't necessarily have parents that care about you. I started, I have parents that care about me, but frankly, I started boxing in the boys club against guy, a lot of guys whose parents didn't care about them. <clears throat> because you could just wander into the boys' club. You don't have to have, I mean, I think they add a card or something, you know? So <coughs> Chandler <coughs> started as a wrestler. Hooker, traditional martial artist. But Chandler also, if I'm remembering correctly, is a dent of the street fighter in him, Right? If you've ever been around a guy who's smaller than you and things have gotten a little chippy, 
What's the first thing they do? And I say they because it's six foot one and a half at my height. I was getting into problems with guys who were slightly shorter than I was. It's the first thing they do. They get close to you. And if you've ever, if you've ever been, if you've ever been a, uh, uh, if you've ever been with a street fighter non-parial, one of my favorite street fighters to watch is Harley Flanagan from the Crow Mags. And I've been watching Harley fight since before he could fight. He's a uh, Henzo Gracie black belt now, and has actually done some MMA matches that you could find on uh, on uh, YouTube. And him and uh, another guy I know from the Lower East Side, this Russian friend of mine, Jack Ponomarev, fight completely differently. And he knew based on how much, based on how much he was paid, and the legacy. And and the rebop about Bellator, Chandler knew he had a, a big giant. Nobody wanted that guy to win, except for maybe people from Bellator. Nobody wanted him to win. And he did what you do on the streets. You close that distance. And the more analytical, kind of contemplative thing that Dan Hooker had going, bullshit. Fuck you. Go home. Yep. Yep. So, so you know, who's what are you guys all texting me for during the show? Did, so, did somebody other than Larry King die? What, 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 what's happening here? Uh, yeah, okay. Inside game is a short man's game. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, number six, and keep in mind, keep in mind, for, for, it, to be, for it to be an effective work, there's got to be some cash benefit for it. Nobody's giving Dan Hooker any money, extra money to lose to Chandler, unless Chandler is going, hey, and the guy's got too much pride for that. Unless Chandler's going, hey, I'll put a little extra envelope. You know, Hooker, in some, you know, inability to accept it for what it was, I'm guessing, said somebody was like, as an afterthought, Paul Felder was like, I think he left his, I think he left his gloves there. Did he do it because he retired or, 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 or because he's just disgusted with it and then nobody paid attention anymore because who cares? I picked Hooker to win. My picks from Wednesday and last night were still 71.3% on. If you watch Care Don't Care, John Nash was dead at last and Steph edged me out. So I'm right in the middle where I usually prefer to be. <laughs> ah, the person in front gets shot. The person that behind gets caught by the monster. You watch enough horror movies, it's a guy in the middle. It's me. I'm in the middle. So I was disgusted. I was disgusted with Hooker, and, and I'm a big Hooker fan, and I, and I, hate, I'm not, I don't want to be a fair weather thing, but I tell you, I wrote a story about it for Ozzy, one of my dear friends in life. We, we wanted to go to the same college together in high school. And his grades weren't good enough to get to. You know, so we're going to break into the school and change his grades, right? So that he could come to the school that I, you know, Stanford. And he, we were talking about this forever. We, you know, we, we were talking about this forever. And we got the break-in tools and we go, we, we found this drop and we dropped in and we're going to, we're like, we're, and he goes, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. He had a what if moment, came up wanting, can't do it. And I remember as we, as he ran away and then I said, well, this is not a good look for me. I'm, I'm, I don't need to get caught doing this. I'm trying to help him. I kind of ran, ran after him and we're walking down, uh, uh, you know, down on the lower Manhattan. And I just remember for brief, because you never want to subject your friends to the tyranny of your expectations. But for a brief moment, I don't think I'd ever been as disappointed with a human. That was the first time I faced somebody having a what if moment and, and not rising to the occasion. And of course, to have that intensity of the, of the feeling, you say, Eugene, you, you must have experienced it yourself at some point, somewhat, right? What if? Well, yes, but not in an arena that really makes a difference. If you've, if you've paid attention to it, to what I've said over time, you can't down a shalala me on my own show. But for me, it's happened in the sexual arena. 
And the same guy, this is where we come circle, the same guy, the circuits and devices guy, he see we were roommates at a certain point, and he sees me getting all gussied up, which just meant taking a shower for a date. He's like, ah, so you got a date, huh? I go, yeah. He goes, ah, well, good for you. You're pretty excited about it. I go, yeah, no, it's great. He goes, yeah, you know, I mean, you ever think about what happens if you get there, you know, you can't get it up? I mean, you just can't get it up. You just, you can't. You try, and the harder you try, the less like you just, and at first I'm laughing because it's kind of funny. 20 minutes later, I'm shaving, I'm changing. He's still going on. And I'm like, hey, man, why don't you fuck off a little bit with this? And he's like, all right. But suppose you do get it up. Suppose you do get it up, and, 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 then, and then you come too quick. You come too quick, and then, and then what are you going to do? She's not going to give you a second go around. And then he's 20 more minutes with this. Right? And so the woman shows up. <laughs> 40 minutes of this. And she was beautiful. She was like, she's like, she's like half African, half Italian chick shows up to study. <laughs> well, the party had a predictable. <laughs> and, you know, I got got. I got got for the first time in my life a victim of the what if. And you know what made it even worse? She never gave me a second chance. Ugh, yuck. She's on face. She's a friend of mine on Facebook now. Never gave me a second chance. So no, I know no matter how good I've done, you know, no matter what bedroom athletics I've managed to pull off in the subsequent years, I will never overcome that night of infamy. <laughs> oh, so, so I understand. I understand. Other fights on the card, um, I, I picked, uh, I, I picked um, Marina Rodriguez. I did not pick her. I picked Amanda Hebus, but Marina Rodriguez, uh, in the Chuck Liddell school, because this is, I want to like to do things in threes. Be the third time I've mentioned him in the show. She's definitely got a page from that book. Some <laughs> book, somebody to watch. I picked Amanda. To, I think I picked Amanda to win, um, but uh, I still love Amanda. Love her energy. She was a a uh, how you ex how you embrace loss based on what we said in last week's show. How you embrace loss is everything. She did great. Um, uh, Khalil Roundtree, I didn't, I didn't care about this fight. I didn't know his father got shot to death. His father had been uh, the manager for Boys to Men, and it got robbed. Oxbow's paranoia on the road is non-parial, and if we're touring in the states, we're all loaded for bear. But this is uh, again justification of that paranoia. Somebody knew that he was a road manager for for uh, the manager for. Boys to men came to his hotel room to rob him, shot him. That's who Khalil Roundtree's dad was. Um, I would have, if I cared, I would have picked him to win, even though I told myself I would never pick against a pole again. Hooker? People was like, well, what's going to happen to Hooker now? You know, that's not even the right question to ask. Better question to ask is, who cares? Who cares? Sorry, bro. When you're six, it's back to the drawing board. You don't get you don't get a shot at one through five unless it's a clear cut expectation that you're gonna take another L. And you got all those what ifs dancing in your head. Not a good look. Not a good day. I'm cold. For some, uh, yeah, I got, that's why I put the cat out because I don't want the cat. But I'm cold. I'm putting my hands because I'm dying here. I trained uh, mostly because I trained in the rain today. It's raining, so can't train inside at Sorrell Academy. So in my driveway in the rain, and I'm still chilled to the bone. Yeah, that's what you want to do to beat beat the Rona. 
And that's the thing. I think I think Hooker is now found, finding himself in the same place that Gustafson did. Sometimes you wake up, you know, Ibn Arabi, I-B-N, first name, Arabi, the second name, bezels of wisdom, look up the book. Sometimes you look at that mirror and find, you know, person looking back at you is done, is done all he's going to do. Yeah, the weather systems move from west to east, I think. So this rain starts moving across country. It's going to start killing people, as usual. In places where it's cold, there's going to be snow. And, of course, there'll be mudslides in Los Angeles, which means nothing will grow again, and it'll die, and there'll be flames in the, in the summer. It's the cycle of climate change life. Anyway, other fights on the card that I can remember right now, there are a couple of uh, the Uzbekistan guy, the cat from Morocco who was fighting out of Germany. My spies in Germany tell me he's kind of a tool. Pulled off something. I ooh, I'm dying. I'm trying to get all of my available spies in there to find out what was in the bag that his friend snuck in. That's what I got to know. My suspicion is, uh, uh, my suspicion is that it's steroids. But I could be wrong. Don't know. I just say this because at one point or another, I, when I was still in the steroid business, I had a bunch of Egyptian uh, uh, anabolic steroids, which I, of course, refused to take. If I can't read what's on the label, I'm not taking it. Uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe. So, um, so that uh, uh, Joanne Calderwood, this is a sub story that I wanted to get into. didn't want to get into it before. L let's do a little history. Joanne Calderwood is now with John Wood. John Wood and I, we've never met in person, but connected in social media because an ex of John Wood's um, it used to train in the Bay Area. Uh, she was a professional fighter as well, Colleen Schneider. And Colleen Schneider, who then ended up with uh, my main man, Josh Barnett. Um, but John Wood had been married to... Um, had been married to Amber, one of the early ring girls, who, if you remember, was that moment we had that, crawl, that you know, disco inferno thing. I was looking at her. She was looking at me. And then Tim Sylvia swooped in and then it was all over. That was Amber. So Amber was with John Wood. John Wood leaves Amber, goes for Colleen. Colleen leaves John. And, and then John ends up with, with uh, um, I don't want to say ends up. That doesn't sound good but he's with Joanne Calderwood. Jessica I is training with, with uh, one of the people she's training with is Jake Shields. Jake Shields and Colleen had been on the same fight team together. So the bad blood that emerged between, uh, I don't know, and I'm trying to figure out the roots of it between Jessica I, they were alluding to it all night, between Jessica I and Joanne Calderwood, it, it, it there's several different layers to it, and I I don't know, haven't been able to figure it out. But at the conclusion of that fight, the winner shook the loser's hand, and they went their separate ways. Acceptance of loss, an adult thing to do. What other fights in the card were noteworthy? Ian is not listening to the show, but he wanted me to. Oh, he wanted me to touch on. He wanted me to touch on the guy who died while I watched. Everything in my body, everything in my body was screaming, do not pick Neil Magny. Do not pick Neil Magny. But Neil Magny has just been a gict. He's a guy I can't trust. He's just been a guy I can't trust. But, but he's looked so good lately. I said, I got to. I got I got to. And I could hear Lucy Van Pelt. I'm not going to move the football this time, Charlie Brown. Please. Please bet on me. Please bet on me, Charlie. Bro. I, you can kick the football. I'm not going to yank it out from under you. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, Charlie Brown. I promise you, I won't. And what did I do? I picked Neil Magny. This is from Wednesday's fight. I picked Neil Magny against Chiesa. Yeah, and Chiesa is is not 
That's that's not the fight that you come back from. You understand? This is what the Phantom Toll Booth was. Moments like this are what the Phantom Toll Booth were. were, were it, it was purposely created for that. Because Magni is looking down on a little sheet of paper right now, and you know what's on that sheet of paper? A number that's too large to almost fit on that sheet of paper. You're done. Sniffing anything in the top five, you're done. You just lost to Michael Chiesa. And there's no shame in that. Remember sometimes they say you can win by losing, you can lose by winning. Sometimes you can also win by winning. Chiesa won by winning. He's a good commentator. Even though I hate that these guys are commentating because it takes work away from me, Chiesa's not bad. And by winning this fight, he guarantees that he stays around longer and endears himself and maybe gets that job, that Paul Felder job. Not Paul Felder's job, but, you know, that catbird seat where we like your commentating, we like you as a fighter, and you can do both, fish and fowl. But Magni, that's it. That's it. We see a guy become a gicta. I cannot trust you anymore. I cannot trust you. And then there were some other fights in there. Um, what was it? What, uh, let me just look. Because, you know, Ian's a good guy. Help me out with some of my – let's see what he said. He said, don't forget anytime – I can pretty much single-handedly guarantee that anytime you tell me don't forget, that's something that's going to be forgotten. Where the hell is it? Okay, here we go. He says, don't forget uh, Gicta, Magni, uh, Dustin McAnal. Uh, oh, 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 yes. The third point I'm not going to bring up. I'm Prince at one point was married for a bit and, he, and his wife at the time got pregnant. And then she miscarried. And then Prince look, took that. I've had a friend whose wife miscarried and he at, came to me and said, Eugene, I want to talk to you. And I say, yeah, well, who's we'll talk to me? And he, then he was like, uh, no, and, and like face to face. It's like, oh, man, I'm really busy. He goes, please. So I meet this guy, and he says, look, you know, my wife miscarried. And I go, yeah. And he goes, I think it was a sign from God. And since then, we've had sex, but I've been denying her my seed. So Prince did. Prince said, it's a sign from God, you know, and he, he was out. And the, and the guy goes, I, I want to ask you how you feel about being a father. I go, out of all the things I've done, the books I've written, the movies I've been in, TV shows I've been in, the shows I played with the band, the records I've made, out of all the things I've done, creating these humans that are my kids, the best. He goes, you mean that? I go, look into my eyes. So he was like, all right. And he went and he had a kid. Saw him a couple of years later. He was like, you're right. You're right. He had a daughter. Prince, however, signed from God. He was out. I'm out. And they asked him about his, about his marriage on the show. And he said, I treat that like I treat other things I don't like. I just make believe it doesn't exist. So for Ian's third point, that's what I'm doing. Anyway, this has been round. Uh, uh, this has been, sorry, not round. That would be a knuckle up thing. This has been version a one, a four, Nine! It took me a second. It took me a second. Uh, of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. It was a grand, it was a grand week. It was a grand week. And let me tell you something that was even more fantastical. The money that I won on, on, on Dustin, apparently the bet that was placed, they only pay out in Bitcoin. I'm all right. I'm all right with that. I got Bitcoin. I got Bitcoin already. So I got the Bitcoin. Uh, I got uh, my money here from BMI. Check for $97.93. Oh, no. What is it? $93.47. Um, so you, you got to know. You got to know that I'm happy. And listen, listen. It's Don't confuse how hard I ride McAnal with any personal distaste for the man. Yeah, no, I don't want to lose a password. Um, don't, 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 don't confuse the, the, the issue here. 
and, and, and do not think, despite one of the guys who no longer listens to the show, uh, 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 MGTOW, um, he says, well, you know, he could be innocent. Don't think, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not judge, jury, or executioner. I've, I've entertained scintilla of, of possibility that maybe he, 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 he is innocent. Yeah, I do like it. But, you know, but innocent or not, if it's consensual sex or not, man, you got a, you got a woman somewhere with three kids all laid up. You know, yeah, who, Eugene? Yeah, whatever. Let's look. I'm no judge. But the how you've conducted your business is stupid. Exhibit A, coked up, dancing on a table in Ibiza with a cardboard cutout of your face on your face. I rest my case, Your Honor. The thing is, whether he did it or not is immaterial. How he's handled it is everything. Everything. You spend $1 million on, on an anal rape reminder watch, but you won't spend $3 million to get the single most damaging PR event of your life to go away, not to mention the misery that you put your friends and family through. Stop it. Anyway, that's the show. Thanks for listening. 149, uh, there was no, there's no fight next weekend, so that means tomorrow at noon, you will see no new care, don't care. Uh, this week on Tuesday, you have uh, uh, If the Shoes Fit, this is a, a Kid Not Tay's week. Apparently, he's been doing some strange thing of trying to change his name. The only name change for Kid Not Tay that I would entertain as being entertaining was Old Kidney, which is not old, but old as an old dirty bastard. O-L apostrophe Kidney. That's funny. So he's back, which means we're also going to do the Hip Hop Evolution me and Alexi on Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to tweet out some stuff. I'm going to get my shit together tonight, and I'm going to actually send out the first letter because I was waiting till I had over 100 people for the uh, Look What You Made Me Do newsletter. The upsetting story. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. My, uh, my boss is just texting me, and she says what? Uh, uh, I, I, I can't read it now. So the, uh, if that doesn't keep me up too long, I will do it tonight. Otherwise, I'll do it tomorrow. So those of you who have subscribed to the newsletter, expect it. The rest of you, live long enough to make it next Sunday. Until then, I think the kid might be sleeping. Until then, you know what I'm always going to say? Look on you, baby. Actually, hold on. The microphone's here. What am I doing? Yes. Courtesy of Georgie B. I got a lavalier mic, right? It seems to be working all right. Look what you made me do. Oh, the inauguration, not on this show. Soon, though.